0: Hello and welcome to the Diction Police. I'm your host, Ellen Rissinger, an American vocal coach accompanist on the music staff of the Oper in Dresden, Germany. On this mini-episode, Carrie Deal and Michael Strauss offer us some help with rolling our R's. Carrie is on the voice faculty at Boston Conservatory and MIT, and her husband, Michael, is a vocal coach-accompanist at the New England Conservatory and Boston Conservatory. Both of them also maintain busy performing careers, as well as teaching. I work with both of them every summer at the International Performing Arts Institute in Kiefersfeld in Germany, EPI. And when Carrie posted on Facebook that she had a sure-fire method to teach her students how to roll their Rs, I immediately cornered her this past summer and asked her to share it with us. Before we get started, I just wanted to mention a few things about some rehearsal and performance etiquette. We're working on Carmen right now at the Zempo Oprah, and one thing that's been happening more than almost any other production that I've played here is that people end up standing between me and the conductor. It's super-duper frustrating, because I'm already only able to look at him out of my peripheral vision, so I'm relying on an unimpeded view to be able to focus on both the music and him. I'm not sure why it's such a problem with this production, but I'll say to all of you what I keep saying in rehearsal. You can stand anywhere except between the pianist and the conductor. It might not be your first priority as a singer or performer, but it sure is a nice courtesy when everyone remains aware of the entire rehearsal process, not just the parts that they're involved in. My next point hasn't been happening here lately, but actually happened at home recently. I was rehearsing with two friends who were ringing bells for a church service, and my best friend's daughter, who is six, was having a hi-ho time conducting behind them, where of course only I could see her. As cute as that was, it was distracting for me because I'm trained to follow a conductor. And it reminded me to say now, please, don't conduct in rehearsals, unless you're the conductor. Sometimes we feel the music bubble up in us, and we need to let it out somehow. So we start flapping our arms in time with the music. But again, if you're in the line of sight between the pianist and the conductor, or anyone else in the conductor, it's extremely distracting, and in the worst case scenario, it can make us miss important signals from the conductor. I also personally don't like when singers pull up a chair next to me and start singing everyone else's part, or most especially the part that they're covering. It's disrespectful to sing along with your colleagues like that, and when you do that next to the pianist, it makes it difficult for us to hear the person who's rehearsing so that we can give music and diction notes. And the last piece of etiquette that I wanted to mention comes from a concert I played years ago where I shared the accompanying duties with another very young coach conductor who had no training as a pianist, but rather as a violinist. He accompanied one of Figaro's arias and then practically jumped off the bench himself afterwards, applauding profusely for the singer. I basically grabbed him afterwards and said, we don't clap. It's one thing to appreciate the performance your partner gave, but never forget that you were also part of that performance, and people are also clapping for you. You can feel free to jump out of your seat and scream bravo when you're in the audience, but when you're on stage as part of the performance, it's better to maintain your composure and accept your own share of the applause. You can find the Diction Police blog at www.thedictionpolice.com. Don't forget the the. You can also follow the Diction Police on Facebook or on Twitter at Diction Police. So first things first. You, Michael, had said something about the American tongue and how we say our R's.
1: Yes. Uh, Growing up in South Africa, we had really native Afrikaans speakers all around. So my first impression of, of that the consonant was always a forward rolled or back. Um, similar to the French, but not quite a variation. There was okay. a town where I grew up called Malmesbury. It was in the Western Cape. Mm-hmm. And they had something called the Malmesbury Bre. Yeah. Every R was like this because they would speak like this. And it would be like, and then the Afrikaans are, of course, is recht in rech. And, and, of course, a guttural feeling about it, but nonetheless a very rolled forward R. Yeah. So when I first came to the States, I I, I couldn't do the R and never have really been able to successfully do it since then. Um,
0: <laughs> he doesn't the want to do hour, it.
1: <laughs> yes. um, so it, I, it struck me as being curious why it sounded familiar to my ear. And I, I, for my taste, it sounded very close to uh, an Irish brogue. Okay. Like the R. I've always and thought I always that American thought...
2: R's came from from the Irish, well, at place place or at
1: least an earlier form of English, an earlier form of English that was similar to that. And yeah. I always felt, and I kept noticing how much the R moves slightly back and towards the left. So Almost, that
0: the tongue is actually moving that the, way.
1: The whole the whole mechanism, and in fact, the mouth is compensating by moving to the right and sometimes covering the R. There was, a peculiar, for me, a peculiar mixture of both the R being moved and a, and a covered feeling of the R. Yeah. Like father, and the kind of the feeling of the mouth pulling down over that R to somehow protect it. Yeah. Um, and I found it very interesting, and my first task with most people who can't get that is to make the tongue move very directly and stay central through the, through the lateral, through yeah. the vibrance. Uh, otherwise, um, I find it's very hard to duplicate the Latin field.
0: To get, you mean to get the rolled, t- the yes, rolled exactly. R? Yes, exactly. Because we're, we're basically pulling yeah. our tongue completely out of position yes, to start exactly, with.
1: Yes, exactly. Okay. I have never really worried about giving people a back R or either the <laughs> R at all because I feel that, um, you know... It's not that necessary.
0: Exactly. I um, mean, there are there are certain languages where you say it and you have yes, to. Yes,
1: exactly. But yeah. I don't
0: I don't know of any diction book anywhere that says to Piaf you, and oh, please pull it back.
1: Yeah. P F and Brell would. Um... Uh, if you can sing those, frankly, you don't need a diction coach.
0: Exactly. So Carrie, you have some exercises to help us figure out how to roll our Rs. Well, I don't know that I really have
2: exercises, except that I can say that I didn't learn to roll my R until I was 22, and I was in my first year of graduate school and I think people just let me get away with it and I finally had a coach who said well you do realize that first of all he said anyone can learn how to roll their R's because Mm -hmm. I had said "Oh, some people said maybe you just can't do it and I think I had allowed that to be a reality and just kind of been lazy about it to be frank and my first coaching doing an Italian aria that I had, my coach said, well, you do realize that you won't have a career if you can't roll your R. And I think (laughs) I needed someone (laughs) to say that (laughs) to me as a reality check. Um, And and then he said, do a descending five-tone scale. I could flip my R, so it's probably worth saying that I think you need to start with at least being able to flip, and I think that if you can't flip it's useful to at least try to feel the Italian L that's forward. Because yeah. the thing about that is, right, so Americans have a forward L and a back L, but only a back R and not a forward R. Exactly. So to sort of alternate a L and a R and a L and a R is an exercise that I do sometimes, especially when I have Asian students, both Asian Americans and Asian Asian students. Yeah. Um, but the exercise that he actually gave me, because I already could flip the R, was just do a descending five-tone scale, Re, ri ri and then see if I could kind of move some more air through it. Mm-hmm. So I did that, and I also asked every person I knew, how do you do it? And they all kind of said the same thing, none of which was really helpful, but it was good that I asked them, that you just, you just flip your R like that, and then you keep the air moving. So I knew that I was somehow stopping the air. Right. And again, I think the American R, is because it's a vocalic R, It doesn't really, it's not a a vibrant thing like we make a, you know, fricative consonants, right? Exactly. So I walked back and forth. I was in grad school and I would take the train to school. And I walked back and forth to the train when no one could hear me and just went around going, you know, mostly failing. Yep. And giving myself permission to fail. Mm -hmm. And eventually I could get a few little flutters and I was really excited. This took me about three or four months, you and eventually get, I could do it as long as I wanted yeah. to do it.
1: And you never get bothered on the train.
2: No, exactly. That's how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> no one bothered me.
1: People too. avoid you <laughs> quite quite severely. I tried
2: to stop when people were walking by. Um, but the exercise <laughs> that I give to my students, and I think because of the fact that I know that it's possible to learn, even at an older age, I've tried to push my students, and I've had a lot of students successfully learn, even when they're already in their 20s, which theoretically is... Beyond the point when your brain absorbs
0: something new, new, something
2: new, right, um, is to do a D in front of the R, three, 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 because again, you get that voiced flip, and then go into the R, and I've had two students, one of whom was 25, 26, and another one who was a teenager, easier for the teenager. Get it immediately, okay. like the first time trying it, which no was way. really exciting to me. And, and one of them said, "I've never been able to do it. I've never been able to do it." And she, this was actually here at EPI. Okay, um, and she she was an MFA student, and she got it immediately. And I've had many other students that have gone away and um, played with it. So sometimes I just do the drr 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 drr. Something about the f- the flap of the D helps continue
0: yeah. the air into it's, the R. And actually, I guess the release of it also mm. makes the R the the yes. tongue almost flip around then a little bit on its own.
1: Yeah.
0: Kind of, because I hear you stopping mm. and I hear you going. Yeah. It almost wants to just keep moving because you're you're relax releasing the tongue from that dip position, and then it starts to flop, kind of, which is what we want. We want it to relax so it can flop around the D, inside there, the right? The D is more
1: relaxed than a voice unvoiced consonant yeah. would be because there's less tension and clenching. Because so Ex- of the voicing. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So
2: I don't know what it was so difficult for me. It was just uh, keeping the tongue in that forward position and keeping air, you know, getting airflow. But that is an exercise that's worked well for a lot of my students, some of whom have had to go away and play with it and some of whom have got it. And again, all, type, all ages, all uh, different backgrounds of, of nationality. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's... That has been useful for, but at yeah. the end of the day, I think it's one of those things. If you if you sit there and you watch someone juggle balls, you, yes, you got to go home and play with the balls for it's, a long time and expect that you're going to
0: drop
1: a lot of them before you. It's it's in that annoying field of study called necks. Yeah. Where once you learn such a thing, it's almost primed into the body to the point where you feel, oh, I I guess if, it's just that. Like exactly finding the first way to spin a yo yo. Yes. People can tell you how to do it, and then that final act of discovery, which is so basic and personal, yeah. enables you for the rest of your life.
0: Exactly. Well, and also kind of like whistling. Once you yes. figure out how to get that air yes, to go exactly. through, you it's don't really know what you do with your
1: lips. You don't yeah. really
0: know what your tongue does. They just do it. Yeah. One
2: of my um, friends who is um, Latin American told me that they teach kids with the word arroz. I don't know why that arroz. is. Okay, yeah, Because arroz. it's... It's a double R, yeah. so it's kind of like Italian that you roll it more When and I don't know if that has... Do they to...
1: actually have rice in the mouth when they do it? <laughs> that might help.
0: That would be if, interesting, yes.
2: yes. <laughs> I don't know why, but that, but she told me that, and I thought that was interesting, too. My my story is that I, I never wanted, not that my kids are going to be singers, but I never wanted them to be 22-year-olds and not know how to roll their R. So because I didn't hear it growing up, I did it at them, and they both surpassed me because now they can both roll their R's in the front and in the back, which I can't do the back one. I can't either. Um, I don't want to. <laughs> it's
1: not necessary.
2: So they, they, they both got it at one at eight and one at maybe six. Whether or not we're moving towards performance practice of people who are using the French R or mm-hmm. we're using more vocalic R in the in the German, in the German mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. You still need it for Italian. You're still going to probably use it in some places in French and German, mm-hmm. and in oratorio. When you sing an oratorio, you need to have the even in English.
0: Exactly. Yeah, that's what I mean. Absolutely. Oratorio in
2: English. I should have yeah. I should have qualified that statement. Yeah. You you often roll R's.
0: I must admit that I had never noticed Michael's observation about the jaw and tongue pulling out of alignment when making an American R, but it seems like he's right. I, at least, tend to pull my tongue to the left in saying R, and if you try it, you can feel it too, especially if you exaggerate the sound a little bit. The LR exercise is an excellent one. Even if you don't have a problem distinguishing between the two sounds, it isn't easy to make the tip of the tongue go back and forth from L to R since it involves almost the exact same spot. Another similar thing that they teach in Spanish class is to say para ti pat-o-ti to sound like para ti to help practice that flipped R. So if flipped R's are a challenge, this is a good place to start. But the no-fail rolling method is the DR exercise that Carrie mentioned, because it does really seem to force my tongue to roll an R after the D. It's worked for all of her students, but remember that it doesn't come immediately to all of us. She said it took her a few months, and I know from my own experience that it took me a few weeks. When I was a kid, I was very fortunate that our school gave us German lessons from second to seventh grades, and our teacher was always rolling her tongue, so I was determined that I could do this too. I would walk to school back in the day when you could walk to school alone at age seven and do almost exactly what Carrie is saying with the D-R, dr, dr, dr. I just started with my tongue up and tried to blow air through it. It took a while, but eventually it did work for me, for Carrie, for all of her students, and obviously for her children, so it can for you too. As a vocal coach, I don't know if I've ever said anything as harsh as, if you don't know how to roll R's, you'll never have a career. But when you think about it, How many of the singers you've heard on recordings or in productions can't roll their R's? I don't think I've heard any professional singer say that to me in over 15 years. So it's something to think about, practice, and not get frustrated over. Just keep trying these exercises. And don't forget, we also have two special edition episodes of the podcast with all kinds of tongue exercises to strengthen the tongue and to coordinate the different sets of muscles in our tongues. One of the main difficulties in rolling Rs is that the back of the tongue has to remain rigid while the tip of the tongue stays free and loose. With two different sections of the same muscle working independently of each other, it does take time to coordinate these movements, and all of these exercises can help with that. I know we had promised to make a video of those tongue exercises that Zilka Korpiers and I had talked about, and we are still planning on it, except that every time we try to practice for it, we realize that we will look like two blonde women licking our lips. So we're trying to find a way to do it that doesn't look trashy. But we are still working on it, I promise. This is just a mini episode because my friend Mirko Roshkowski, who's been on several episodes of the podcast, was in town with me this week, and I knew I wouldn't have enough time to put a full-length episode together. But I hope this gives you some ideas to help with your R's and the impetus to get practicing. Next week, German tenor Martin Koch joins us to talk about all of the different possibilities of the I-G combination in German diction. In the meantime, to find out more about Carrie Deal and Michael Strauss, or if you have any questions or comments for me, Ellen Rissinger, please visit the blog at www.thedictionpolice.com. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please give it a good rating on iTunes or post about it on Facebook and Twitter so that others can find it and benefit from it. Thanks for listening. See you next time.